That's the biggest one tonight. On the roof. Full pitch and bang. Bang, bang, bang. It's gone. Welcome to Stumps. Big warm welcome to Stumps, wherever you are listening around Australia. Heap to get through. WBBL has been run and won. More on that in a tick. Andy Ma to join us. So to Adam Gilly-Gilchrist, ahead of Channel 10's coverage of the Big Bash final between the Perth Scorchers and Sydney Sixers. And a little later on, uh, Englishman Ian Bell, who's enjoying his time in Australia playing for the Perth Scorchers. Tristan Fernanda, my name's Swerve and Mervyn Hughes. is back for more Stumps fun. Good evening to you, Merv. Tristan, how are you? What a huge week it's been. One day is everywhere. I've upset people in Adelaide. Um, James Pattinson's making runs at club level, 131 for Dandenong. It's, it's interesting, during the Big Bash, he was being hit, but so was Pat Cummings. Pat Cummings comes back into the Australian side, and we see what pace does. So James Pattinson, I wouldn't be too worried about him. He's back fit. He'll be firing. Um, no Smith, no Warner, no Kawaja for the New Zealand tour. The Aussies are off over there, and the first game's on Monday. soon Monday. Before so we get to that, Merv, all we have to announce that it is the Sydney Sixers that have reigned supreme yes. in the Women's Big Bash League. Five for 124 after their 20 overs earlier today. Alyssa Healy top scoring with 40. It didn't look like enough, but the Perth Scorchers made really hard work of it. In the end, finishing their 20 overs at 7 for 117. And it means the WBBL crown heads back to the Harbour City. Back to Sydney. Well, of course, Sydney Thunder won it last year. But um, Lisa Healy, um, 40 off 27 balls. What a magnificent innings. And um, Mary Zane Cap, 34 off 28. So when you get two run scorers that score so quickly, you give yourself every chance. And um, Scorchers, unfortunately, just unravelled. They, they were a chance and um, just couldn't get across the line. So again, in big games, runs on the board. So going forward, big game, final of the big bash, is the the captain who wins the toss, is he going to be game enough to bowl first? Because runs on the board in finals, in big games, you can put pressure on the opposition. But having said that, I think um, the Sixers like to bowl and uh, yeah, the, the Scorchers like to defend. So it might be just a... Um, We'll ask Adam Gilchrist that very question a little bit later on. You did mention the the toss have an impact on the game. I don't reckon the captain's going to want to win the toss. But anyway, more on that a little bit later. The Chapel Hadley series has raised a few eyebrows. The selection of this Aussie squad, Sam Hazlitt, the surprise inclusion for the injured Steve Smith. We'll hear from him in a moment. The big guns aren't there. It begs the question: uh, What or how much importance do the selectors and Australia or Cricket Australia place upon series like the Chapel Hadley and it's left a few people scratching their heads. Well I think they place a, a, a huge importance on it. We hold it, we beat New Zealand out here um, but no Warner, no Kawaja to start with. Now Smith is injured, he's not going, he's been replaced by Sam Hazlitt that I really don't know much about but we'll, we'll get his stats to you, to you soon. Um, I would have thought if anyone needed to rest it would be Stark and Hazelwood but having said that, neither of them went to South Africa, so they had a little bit of a rest there. Uh, Mitch Marsh is, is still out injured. But um, for mine, have a look at that. I reckon the batting is a little bit shy. Um, I reckon Matthew Wade has to open um, for this lineup to work. And I'm, Matthew Wade, congratulations. Um, you've been appointed captain. No disrespect to you. Why wouldn't the selectors go back to a George Bailey? He's captain the side before, get him in, bat him at that number three spot because we're, there's a huge hole at number three. Um, and get George Bailey back there, lead the way. But uh, having said that, mate, I'm no selector. I'm, I'm just <laughs> you were widely criticised when you roll. did wear these I, I selectors did, cap. But I, I can't understand. I reckon they're a batsman shy. And when they continue to play um, five, five bowlers, so Faulkner, um, they'll probably play Cummings, Stark, Hazelwood, Zampa. They've got Head and uh, Maxi to bowl a little bit. They've got Stoinis that can bowl and let Hazlitt, unless Hazlitt plays. So unless Finch bats at the top, oh, oh, gee, it looks shy. Our batting looks very shy. Steve Smith will miss this tour due to an ankle injury. He caught up with the media as the team departed for New Zealand. I've got a medial ligament injury to my left ankle. Uh, they think it's a seven to ten day injury, and um, yeah, I'm not going to be. F- 
I wouldn't be fit for the first game. I'd be very unlikely for the second game and a possible for the third game. So um, seven to ten days and we've got a lot coming up. So they think it's a, an opportunity to, to rest it and, and be right for India. How much of a shock is that to you, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shock. Um, I was in a little bit of pain last night. Um, I injured it and went off and, and got it strapped and looked at and um, you know, I was in a, a reasonable amount of pain in the field and um, you know it was about having a look last night and I was, I was struggling a bit after the game last night and then it was about seeing how I woke up this morning and I uh, woke up in a, a reasonable amount of pain again. So um, yeah, seven to ten days they think and um, hopefully I'll be right to to go to, oh, I'm confident I'll be fine uh, to, to train in Dubai after that and and for the first test in India. So there's no Steve Smith on this Steve Chapel Smith. Hadley series. It meant a very pleasant surprise that came the way of Matthew Wade. How did he accept the gong given to him? Let's have a listen to him speaking on his arrival in New Zealand. Uh, me personally, it's about putting a stamp on the team. It's about driving the values and uh, the game plan that we have in one day cricket going forward you know Stephen and, and David have put their stamp on the team it's just about me keep driving those key messages through to the players and, and we'll, we are perform really well in one day cricket over a period of time so it's not about trying to change too much it's about keeping the ball rolling really and um, is it different I know you guys have just got here but is it a different dynamic without Warner and Smith about? Oh yeah, it's certainly different when you're captain, you're vice captain on here, but it's also exciting. We've got some young players that, that are around and we've got Finch and Marsh coming back into the team who are experienced one-day players as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a different shift for sure, but something that we're looking forward to. Do you have any idea that you were next drop, I suppose, from the captaincy? No, not really. I was at the airport and Darren came up to me and put uh, Trevor on the phone and yeah, let me know that I was, I was going to captain. I didn't really know, obviously. I, I feel like I, can, I lead on the ground when... Um, Smithy and Warner are around um, but yeah I had no idea that I was, I was next off but yeah exciting really honoured and a privilege to, to captain Australia so I'm looking forward to it Does it make it more nerve wracking? Uh, not really no I don't think so um, I've been around the team now for a couple of years straight so I know how it all works and how Darren wants the team to, to go about it so it's not too nerve wracking it's probably more exciting than anything It seems like he won't be overawed there, Merv, as uh, he arrived in New Zealand. Matthew Wade, the new skipper of Australia. Yeah, I said said to go, if you want to rest Davey Warner, go to to George Bailey. Um, If the side's been picked, then there's an injury. Surely you'd go back to Davey Warner and just say, listen, Davey, this has come up. Um, we need you to go. But to have both captain and vice-captain, listen, great opportunity to, for Wade. I, I hope he goes well. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting round for mine. That the first team is going to be very interesting. If, if Marsh bats at three, I reckon it could line up Wade, Finch, Marsh, Head, Hanscom, Maxwell, Faulkner, Cummings, Stark, Hazelwood, Zampa. Um, Stoinis misses out. Um, Hazlitt misses out, but the other Wade's got to open for mine. Otherwise, we're going to be very, very short on on batsmen. Ask you this about the captaincy: Do you reckon Aaron Finch's performance as captain of, over the course of the Big Bash League uh, affected his chances of perhaps being appointed in that role? No, I don't think so. Um, I think he was pretty good. The, the fact that he's just come back into the team probably affected that more than anything. Um, Wade's been there both tests and one-dayers, um, successful one-dayers. He made 100 up in Brisbane in a, in a fantastic win there. He's done well. So um, I suppose it contradicts myself a little bit there because George Bailey wasn't playing, but uh, George Bailey's an exceptional leader. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Matthew Wade isn't, as I said, great opportunity, but... Gee, Davey Warner even go back to him and there's say, a clear philo- There's a clear philosophy on the part of the selectors, Merv. They're not looking backwards. They're going to blood these players. They're going to give players, and they failed in the case of Nick Maddinson, say, by picking someone speculatively and saying that they had potential. But uh, they, they seem to be making a clear point that they're not going to select guys like Bailey at all. Are they, are they making a clear point? Well, I, well, to me, it's confusing. Sam Hazlitt... Look, He's come from nowhere, and okay, it, it's worked this this year with, uh, I suppose, um, I'm going to say Ramshaw again. Renshaw. Renshaw. <laughs> Renshaw. I keep thinking Darren Ramshaw was done. Renshaw, with Renshaw, he came out of nowhere, did well. Hanskin's been around for a while. Manson's been around for a while. But of Sam Hazlitt, list A game, so 
one-day games, domestic one-day games, five games, average is 72, highest score of 100. He's got a, a, a very high strike rate of 95. He's played 13 first-class games with 25 innings at 34. Um, so obviously he's got some talent. Um, now the other thing is, has he played in the Australian A um, the Australian A's lately, I don't know. Has he played? Has I, he come I, I don't the believe so. He was getting ready to play for Redlands in he, great cricket. Has he come cricket. through the under-19s? That's the other thing that the Australian selectors look at. So there, there might be, be, be a little bit more behind the scenes than I'm seeing, but to me, that that's a huge surprise. Yeah, Australian under-19s back in the day, of course, he's been playing with Brisbane Heat, so yes. he's been playing in a good but system. He's, he's not really standing out with Brisbane Heat. He's not really, he's not really done much. So for mine, it's a surprise. Um, and also a surprise that uh, Matthew Wade's been given the captaincy. But, mate, good luck to them both. Hope they get the opportunity um, and hope the Aussies do well. But, uh, gee, real surprise on my behalf anyway. More on that a little bit later. Up next, we recap the Sixers' big WBBL final success. Andy Marder, join us live from Perth. You're listening to Stumps. And nice to have you with us on this Saturday afternoon. Tristan Fernanda with Merv Hughes as we gear up for the Big Bash final. The Scorchers oh. playing host to the Sixers. A remarkable record, the Perth Scorchers, playing in their fifth of six Big Bash finals. They've won two. They uh, lost the famous one to the Sixers back in 11-12. They exacted revenge a few years later, but... Uh, they are just so consistent. The Sixers surprise winners, I reckon you have to say, against the Brisbane Heat. But wasn't that an amazing edge-of-your-seat finish up at the Gabba? Oh, it was. I, it's interesting now. Um, yeah, a lot of people say, oh, the two best sides have made it. But no one was picking the Sixers at the start of the year. I think a lot of people were picking the Scorchers. Um, I think most people were heading towards the Stars. And when the Heat got off to such a, a good start, um, they, they started to go to Heat. But then... They they lose Chris Lynn, which is a, a real um, factor for for um, Brisbane Heat, of course, and um, McCallum just uh, just too much rested on his shoulders, so uh, too much to do for too few. But um, listen, it's going to be a great game. Um, the experience uh, of the the Sydney Sixers, Joanne Boda, Brad Haddon, um, all, all those guys, Nathan Lyon, still there. Um, so. There's a lot of experience there. Moses Henriques in, in fantastic form. You've got Sean Abbott. Um, you've got their overseas players. So the interesting one for mine is how their top handles, how their top order handles Mitch Johnson. We saw the Stars didn't cope with him at all. He seems in ripping form. He's fresh. He's bowling fast. He's nasty. And of Western Australia, um, it's more the... It's more the young bull up against the old bull, isn't it? It is. Um, so they've got, well, they've got some senior players in there with Bell and uh, Voges and, and John. There's a lot of young blokes there, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle the pressure. And no Mitch Marsh, obviously injured. He would have been in New Zealand. I have no doubt about that with the Australian one-day side. But Sean Marsh, um, for mine, is, is going to be the, a telling blow for the, the Scorchers. And I, I think... Um, I think the the Sixers might uh, pinch it tonight. Well, given he'd turned the corner, Marsh, two half centuries yes. on end. And, well, you look at the uh, the Scorchers, if you take a few early wickets, you get the sense that you might be able to make them really vulnerable. They don't have that big hitting power because of the loss, loss of the Marsh boys. And uh, I know you talk about Turner and Agar. They can throw their bat at a, a few things. But the, the depth of talent across the board, if wickets are taken early, could be the telling thing. Um, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think that that happens in in any case, though, doesn't it? It doesn't matter who you play. Like we saw the the um, scorches against the stars and a couple of weeks in the first over, and you're right behind the eight ball. And especially if you haven't got that hitting power, and certainly to get Quan in and uh, Peterson out um, early, obviously set the stars back. But if you can do the same tonight, um, Klinger for mine, um, he's he's. Crucial for for the the scorches. If if the Sixers can somehow get him early, then the pressure's really going to be on him. Is it just a matter of poor timing for Michael Klinger? I don't know if you've read the book Outliers. It talks about certain things happening at certain points in time. As in, if you've uh, if someone a wicketkeeper's come around and they're capable, and Adam Gilchrist is there, it's simply unlucky for the one who's two IC. Uh, Klinger hasn't played any international cricket. Does that surprise you? Oh, not really. 
Uh, to be honest, um, I think what we've got to take in there, Kling is a fantastic player, and no matter how hard I say this, or how I do say this, it's going to sound harsh on Klinger. Klinger. But what happens, there's a lot of guys that make a heap of runs at first-class level when all the top players are away. Mm-hmm. Um, and for mine, Kling is one of those guys. Yes, he makes runs at, at crucial times. Um, this will be another test for him. I think if he can get over the line here, he may well find himself in the um, Australian 2020 side. So if he can put in a good performance, but I reckon in the past, when the heat has really been put on, he tends to falter a bit. Interesting. We'll watch on uh, with interest. And, That's uh, just my opinion. Finally, you're very much entitled to it, Merv. And, I've upset uh, a few people already this week. <laughs> I don't want to upset anyone we're, else. We're going to continue that trend uh, <laughs> after the break when we welcome our Adelaide audience. Uh, Brad Haddon, his last hurrah as far as competitive cricket goes. Is it? I'm led to believe it will be his last Well, match. what about if the uh, – well, they've, they've expanded next year's season. Um, I, I was hoping that they'd put in a couple of new sides. And oh, that's what Canberra, I was wondering, Mo. If Canberra had it came in, how good would it have been for Brad Haddon to go back to Canberra, mm-hmm. captain that side, get a team together? Uh, that, that would have been fantastic because obviously Brad Haddon uh, came from Canberra. Um, and you've got uh, an affinity with Canberra in uh, your, yes, co- your I, Comets days. Uh, in the Comets. And, and Brad Haddon was a, a young, young kid there. And you saw him in the nets and you just thought, wow, how, how good is this guy going to be? Um, he's very good with the gloves, but um, very, very good with the bat. And you know, he's, he's just stood the test of time. He's been a, a great contributor to um, Australian cricket, New South Wales cricket, and, and also the Sixers. So um, it's an interesting one. A lot of experience, as we said, a lot of experience on the, the side of the, the Sixers. But uh, of Hads, um, if it is his last hurrah in, in um, Australia with this big bash uh, final, um, gee, I, I wish him well. He's been absolutely fantastic. And a lot of people don't understand the the, the political tra- side. Well, the, the trauma that he went oh, through okay, with, yep. with family difficulties with um, with his, his daughter, kids, yep. his daughter. Um, it's been sort of let out a little bit now. So for him to go through that. Um, maintain his spot in the Australian side, drop out for a while, come back in and be do as well as he did. Mate, I've got full respect for him. Well, he's, he, he's fantastic. He's opened up in recent times. Yes. It was incredibly harrowing, that ordeal. Yes. Uh, I can't imagine being in the position of well, him you, as a never, parent. You never want to be in that position, do you? But um, uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are placed in that position and um, he handled it very well indeed. All right. Need your final thoughts on the Big Bash final. Who wins and why? How telling is the toss? Um, I don't think the toss is that telling because um, I reckon Scorchers, yeah, no, having said that, I don't know. It's a, it's a used wicket. Um, I'd, I'd like to think um, the Sixers might get up. They're, they're my tip. I just think Sean Marsh is, is a big loss for him. But having said that, if Klinger and Mitch Johnson fire, Scorchers will win it easy. So there's a bit each way for you. But my, my tip is the Sixers. They're, they're a more consistent, more experienced bunch. They need Enriquez to fire as well. A lot more stamps on the way after this. Stumps. Great to have your company on Stumps. Tristan Fernanda back with you alongside Merv Hughes. Good evening to our Adelaide listeners Hello. joining us for the Hello, first time. Hello, Adelaide and well, You've really endeared yourself oh, with the Crow Eaters in recent days, hey, Merv. Can, can I explain myself well, here? Well, more on that in a tick. Uh, Adam Gilchrist to join us in about 15 oh, yes. minutes' time. Ian Bell a little bit yes. later on in the hour. And Andy Ma not too far away to yes. recap a thrilling finish in the yes, WBBL. But please explain yourself. Explain. I, I don't know whether I need to apologise to Adelaideans because they said it was South Australians. So it was Adelaideans. Um, I tweeted out um, how disappointed I was with uh, the crowd of 27,000 at the ODI for the, for the Australian-Pakistan game. Um, and, and I copped a fair whack. And that's what I said. I, I reckon it was more the frustration of the five games and the lack of support the Australian team was getting. So Adelaide, 
I do apologise that you copped the, the brunt of it, but I don't take back mm. the words that I say. We should so support the Australian side. And people came back with a, um, a, a fair array of, of contributing factors. Number one was trick, uh, ticket prices. Um, and probably number two, which still astounds me, on a public holiday, why would you play a day-night game? Um, so, yeah, listen... Um, more on that in a little bit later. Yeah, but to, I'm to ask Adelaide, you what it means. Adelaide listeners, if you got upset by it, it was a straw that broke the camel's back because I've been frustrated throughout the <laughs> season. So I, I did give you a whack and you probably didn't deserve it as, as much as Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane or, or Perth. Have a listen to you trying to talk your way out of it. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm taking back. No. I'm not taking it back with said. I'm just saying that I'm frustrated with the crowds. The lack of support our Australian team get. We're going to head straight across yes. the Nullarbor. Going yes. To down oh, yes. to business. And Andy Mars done such a great job in guiding the Channel 10 commentary team across the WBBL season. The season concluded with a thrilling match over in scorching conditions at the Wacker. And Andy, as we welcome you, just give us a bit of a, an insight into how it all played out. Welcome. Hello, Tristan, and hello, Move. And I hello, did read Andy. that tweet. I read, for, I read that tweet from you, big fella, and I thought, oh, this is going to this is going to light the set the bushel alight. <laughs> and I'm uh, interested to hear that it did. Uh, it's a conversation that we can yeah. have for quite some time, isn't it? I reckon. But I reckon it's, it's and, and I really felt for for Travis Head to be honest with you, playing in yeah. front of his home crowd of only a half full stadium, and he makes a magnificent hundred. Yes, he was overshadowed by by Warner, but what a fantastic um, effort by him! And there wasn't the full crowd that he deserved to to be there to watch that innings. But, but yeah, but when he yeah, but when he goes and plays for the strikers. It's a full house, and they, they they fall out of the grandstands when he knocks sort of sixty yeah. off thirty five, and because it means something in this context, move you've got to have context. People, I think the Australian cricket fans are sick and tired of having um, um, filler. Yeah, Australian teams being used as kind of content providers, and yeah. uh, until there's some real context on some of these games, I reckon you're going to get continually frustrated by fans not just rolling out um, and, and watching these games. Well, I tend to disagree because, to me, they're not a filler. To me, they're um, in search of our next World Cup squad. And we've found an absolute beauty, I reckon, in Travis Head. Yeah, he he was quite. fantastic. You've got Warner. You've got Smith. Um, we've still got, obviously, a few years to go to the World World Cup. But I see these one-dayers as a necessity to get our World Cup team picked and ready. And everyone's saying that the Pakistan team are fairly weak. Well, let's not forget, Pakistan made 320 in reply. So, you know, there's, yeah. there's 700 runs scored for the day. It's, it's not a bad... Uh, not a bad. Anyway, we, we're going to... We're, we're getting... So, I'm, yes, yeah, I'm we're going to get back to the women's yeah. big bash. And while it was a, a pretty close game in the end, um, the, the Sixers seemed to have it under control from probably about the... the maybe the 12-over mark of the, the second oh, innings. I reckon 40, 40 overs of cricket we've seen played in this final today, and I reckon for 30, the only thing you might be, you might be on the money, I reckon for 30 to 32 overs, um, the Scorchers were in absolutely the driver's seat. They, they, they did exactly what they needed to do with the ball. They, they uh, constricted the Sixers with the, uh, in their batting effort, 124 on that wicket with that outfield just didn't look enough, particularly with the top order that the Scorchers have got. And, you know, you saw Villani and Bolton get off to a pretty good start again. And six or seven overs in, it was it looked like it might have been over. I was sitting alongside Meg Lanning and Mel Jones, and off air, um, Meg said, this will, this will be over in 16 overs. Oh, that, well, that's, what does that, she know that, about the game? I'm going to tell her you said that, Andy. <laughs> no, she, she won't, I don't think she'll mind because I think everybody was thinking yeah. the same thing. but. This is T20 cricket. Is I don't reckon. Certainly, I don't think in, in any other form of cricket, momentum swings can be so dramatic yes. and see games turned so completely on their head. And uh, the, you know, Villani fell, and then Bolton went, and you know, Bates scratched around their top order, their, their revered top order and dangerous top order, didn't get deep enough into the target. And then, it, then you see what happens. The chasing team, once the run rate gets up to sort of seven and a half in women's cricket. Um, the the big power hitters are gone, and from batters generally kind of five, maybe six down to kind of eight or nine. More often than not, teams don't have boundary hitters in their lineup. Um, Catherine Brunt had the capacity to do that; she didn't do it enough. And once that run rate, well, she didn't. She couldn't. Yeah. And then you know, second, second last ball of the 
19th over, she you know sticks one straight over the bowler's head for six, and you think the game's back on. But oh. they just don't have enough batters who can hit the rope often enough when you're chasing a run rate that gets into that sort of seven and a half or eight mark. And full credit to the Sixers, they did a magnificent job. Yeah, the Scorchers certainly did have a drought for a long period, just couldn't find the rope. Just back on the Sixers innings, Andy, it uh, it seemed to be going along nicely. They lost three wickets in quick succession, and that was the the wicket of McGlashan. They were four for 81 and ground to a hold. It's amazing what wickets can do to that momentum that you talk about. Absolutely. Um, that's exactly right. And it's a game that, um, you know, had it not been Marazan Cap, Cap, who's a fantastic player, you know, she comes in late and she did exactly what she did in the semi-final, even though you know it wasn't required then uh, to the same degree it was today. She got you know 35 off 26 or whatever it was late, and she just gave him a target to bowl at. And um, you know we spoke to Alicia Healy after the game, and you know, she admitted that we didn't think we had enough, but we had to make it enough. And um, they did. They just they 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 didn't lose their heads when you know the Scorchers got off to a bit of a flyer and looked like they had it under control. They kept doing all the methodical things that you've got to do in this game. And, um, you know, two or three wickets changes everything. And we saw it again um, in the chase today. And the, those totals, they're the best totals in T20 cricket. I remember that 120 to 140, 45 mark. They're the best totals because you can lose a wicket here or there in the chase, but you're still in it. Or you can get to 60 or 70, but it's still got to get done. And um, there's always a bit of intrigue. Or often there's a lot of intrigue around those totals in it proved the case again in, in the final today. Well, it's interesting for me that um, Elise Perry out with her hamstring, she didn't play. I reckon a lot of people would have thought that would have put pay to the Sixers' chances. Yeah, I agree. Um, we saw Healy, Elisa um, Healy stepped up in the semi, you know, took over the captaincy role and made 77 off 45, or whatever it was. And, you know, she, she sort of played the role of, of two quality players. So good was she in the semi and they coasted home in that game. And, she was fantastic again today. She played a terrible shot to get out, but you know, forty off twenty-seven or twenty-eight, whatever it was. In the end, that became pivotal. You know, that was that was the difference. That was just helped them get the runs on the board that the Scorchers, you know, couldn't respond to. And um, uh, she, so she's a quality player. They got the two South Africans back. They, they lost um, Marazone Cap and Dane Van Nierkirk for four or five games on their Bangladeshi tour, and they got those two back for the semi and. You know what it's like, Merv, you've played enough cricket. Even if the players that have come back in inside aren't necessarily at 100%, when they're quality internationals yeah. um, in a competition like the WBBL, they make all the difference around the room and, and on the field and they just keep everybody grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, they both played um, important roles in, in certainly the semi and today's final. So while well, they lost Perry picking up, making sure that they got those two back yeah. um, was, was pretty important. Well, as you say, they keep him grounded. Also, give the the rest of the team a hell of a lot of confidence. And I, I just know um, firsthand from having worked with the Renegades before I got sacked, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> that Finchy, like the big thing that Finchy always used to say, let's not panic first. The team that mm-hmm. panics first will lose. And and to me, it looked like the Scorchers panicked. As you said, um, they, they've got no power hitters and they try to play a game that wasn't theirs. You've got to play your own game now. The, the girls have got great technique. They have got fantastic technique. So when they play cricket shots, they've got more chance of hitting boundaries. And then they when they're under pressure, they panic. They go for the power shots. And as you said, they haven't got that power to clear the ropes. And, and that, to me, seemed to be a real problem um, late in the, in the Scorchers' innings. Well, that's exactly what happened. I mean, a player like Heather Graham, who's been you know, really good this year. She's an emerging player. She bowls little sort of dibbly-dobbly cutters, and she's been good with the ball. But she's made, on occasion, she made 330s in the second half of um, innings this year when the teams needed them. And she came in with the run rate still at a kind of manageable, kind of around about the seven mark. But the momentum was going the other way. And, you know, she tries to play one across the line and she loses her shape and gets knocked over. And Sarah Ailey, who just was, she just kept her head while, um, you know, scorchers all around her were losing theirs and just bowling these off-speed little cutters at the stumps. And the scorchers played these poor cricket shots. You're 100% right about their technique, they're, they're solid at that part of the game, but when they lose their um, balance and they lose their shape, um, they, they, they're, they're exposed. And Ailey was outstanding. She ends up taking 27 or 28 wickets for the, for the mm-hmm. tournament, 
Lee, wicket-taker, and does a fantastic job, player, player of the match uh, for a final, which is always a feather in your cap. And um, they, you're, The Sixers just went about it methodically and professionally when the scorchers started to panic. And that's, ex- I mean, the, your, your um, Aaron Finch quote uh, applies perfectly. The, the, the scorchers are the first ones to kind of lose their heads in this one, and in the end they lost the match. Andy, as we let you go, and we do thank you for your time, looking broadly at the WBBL landscape, are you seeing a noticeable improvement in quality and also the interest level from the Australian public because it seems these girls are building significant profiles? Well, look, uh, Tristan, everybody at Channel, Se- uh, Channel 10... For the channel last where, sorry? Years, channel 10. Channel, <laughs> watching, I've got Channel 7 on because I thought, I thought the tennis might be about to start off. It'd be time, it'd be time, all over the joint. Everybody at Channel 10 has been... Um, blown away by the interest levels from a TV um, perspective. So that, that, that's, that's kind of set um, a new benchmark in terms of expectations and what might be possible. And, um, and the, you know, there's obviously public support. What, what I reckon is going to happen, and this is just going to happen in women's sport all over the place in the next decade, is that the light's going to go on in the, in the minds of all these young girls around the place who go, oh, hang on, I've got an opportunity to do something. You say... They'll play the games and they'll play the games properly and they'll get better coaching and they'll get access to better facilities. And as every year goes by in the WBBL, and I reckon we've seen it this year compared to last, that the teams are at player deeper. There's still two or three players who are, with all due respect, kind of making up the numbers a little bit. They can't really hit it and they don't necessarily bowl. But in next year, there'll be the list will be another player deeper and then it'll be another player deeper. And before you know it, I reckon you'll be seeing 11 player deep teams where every player has the capacity to do whatever skill required um, pretty well uh, mm-hmm. or very, very well, as is the case with some of them. So the quality is just going to go through the roof. And when the next generation of players are ready to go, you know, the young teenagers now, when they're sort of entering their physical prime at sort of 21, 22, 23, it'll be a different game that we're watching then as opposed to the one we're watching now. I'm almost 100% certain of it. And we very much look forward to that. Andy, always a pleasure to catch up with you. I reckon it's about time for you to crack open a cold one in those hot conditions <laughs> over in the West. You enjoy the men's yeah. final, and congratulations on the great work yeah. you've done with the rest of the Channel 10 crew. Thanks, Tristan. Thanks, Murph. Fantastic, Andy. Great work. Andy Marr there, part yes. of the Channel 10 commentary team. As we head off to a break, on the other side of this, Merv, we catch up with another member of the team, Adam Legend. Gilchrist, to Legend. join us here on Stumps. <laughs> Listening to Stumps. Well, Merv, great to have your company here on Stumps. We're gearing up for the huge Big Bash final between the Scorchers and the Sixers. Perennial performers in this format of the game. And who better to speak to than a man who's no stranger to big hitting? Heading up Channel 10's commentary team is the one and only Adam Gilchrist. And it's a warm welcome to you, Adam, on Stumps. And, well, we know the Perth uh, people get behind the Scorchers. So we're expecting the furnace to be at capacity today. Oh, indeed. Hey, guys. Good to chat on a very, very big day of BBL cricket. Um, it is a sellout. It's the 13th consecutive sellout here at the Wacker for the Scorchers home games. But um, the only issue might be the fact that it's approaching 40 degrees here in Perth today. So whether people who have bought tickets still turn up, that might be another question. But I suspect um, it's about a quarter past four in the afternoon start. So hopefully the sea breeze will be in by then and it'll cool it down and It'll make for a great spectacle today between, I think, probably the two best teams in the competition. Well, definitely. Um, 40 degrees over there. I think if it had been a, a, a group match, uh, maybe people won't come, but surely for a final they'll come along. And, gee, big news for the Scorchers. Um, Berendorf uh, named in the squad. Do you think he'll play? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think he is he's certainly fit and been bowling, charging into the net. Hasn't had any match time at all. Um, but, you know, obviously it would only be a four-over spell, so fitness or fatigue isn't really something that's going to be a factor. But I think he's been brought in just in case uh, Jai Richardson didn't come up. He's had a little niggling hamstring issue, but I, I think he's fully fit. Well, if he is fully fit, I would expect that they would, would stay with Richardson. He's a adds a bit of versatility to the attack. He's got pace. He can bowl top of the innings in the middle or, or even at the closing overs. So... I would say that's um, the way they'll go. It'd be a high-risk policy to take Berendorf in uh, underused. 
And Richardson, he's, he's been a good per- performer throughout this um, Big Bash campaign. Now, big loss, Sean Marsh. Um, the, the Scorchers have done a lot off his bat and back uh, in the last yep. couple of games and a huge loss. Can can the Scorchers overcome that? Yeah, I, I think they can. There's no de- denying that Sean's a... Well, he's been in good touch in the last couple of games. He sort of saw them home in the in the last of the home and away matches and then and then the semi-final, but they also won a number of games early in the tournament where he was, wasn't was performing and wasn't getting the run. So not for a moment are they reliant on him to be able to achieve a victory. Uh, but, you know, that said, he's a, a wonderful talent. We all know that. And fantastic for him that he's back in, uh, in Australian colours so he can get over there and get some one-day cricket and then get over into the subcontinent for the big test tour coming up. Now, Adam, the Scorchers' record in this form of the game is quite remarkable. It's their fifth final out of six. What do you put this success down to, given so many people look at T20 cricket, talk about the unpredictability, the inconsistency of sides, but they are a model of consistency. Yeah, I, I, you're spot on. I, I, I put it down to Justin Langer, to be honest. <laughs> I think he's a, a key component of that consistency. Uh, and, and, and that word in itself is... He's remained consistent in his list management. Um, he's there's been very little turnover of players. He maintains players that are in the WA system. Uh, obviously, there's overseas cricketers that that come in. Each team has a couple of those, but um, JL really prefers to have guys that he has involved in the system twelve months of the year, not just for the Big Bash um, section of the season. So that allows them to build up a culture, build up a a foundation and uh, a formula to, to trust and, and work by. And just in regards to the overseas players, in, in his tenure as coach, which is oh, getting in around four years, um, they've only had seven overseas players, uh, whereas other teams have had upwards of 12 and 13. So he, he, he picks people and he sticks by them. Uh, he is fantastic. He's a great coach. There's no doubt about that. And what he's done, not only in the big bash, but as you said, for WA in all forms of the game has been great. Um, no pro- time is precious. Uh, precious. You've got to get uh, onto the Channel 10 coverage. I've got two more questions for you. Um, is there a lot resting on the shoulders of Mitch Johnson tonight? Yeah, there is. You're right, you're right about preparations, Merv. I've got to go and put my makeup on. That takes about <laughs> an hour and a half to make this space look any good for TV. But uh, yeah. Mitch was clearly uh, amazing in that semi-final. Um, that's just like under ten figures, isn't it? Three for three. <laughs> but uh, uh, the the momentum that he's built up and uh, the the way that the team and the crowd in particular, I mean, they've been a great supporting crowd here at the at the Wacker. But the way they got on board with Mitch the other day and seeing a such champion firing up and winding the clock back, um, he'll he'll be vitally important tonight uh, on a wicket that I. Th- think will will suit him it, it's it's not the fastest paciest wicket but i think that creates a fraction of doubt in the batsman um in, in the batsman's mind so uh yeah I, I think he's going to enjoy it and clearly a, a big factor in the game tonight and you just alluded to my next question how how important is the toss because i i, I think uh, by all accounts it's a, a used wicket um so it is. obviously it won't change over the 40 overs too much but how, how important is the toss of the coin tonight Oh, well, teams, uh, and particularly Sydney, the, the Sixers have, the, in the nine games that they've played this season, they've bowled first eight times. Uh, and the one game that they didn't bowl first was against the Sydney Thunder at the SCG, and, and the Sixers were nine for 99 after 20 overs. So <laughs> no no surprise as to what they'll be trying to do this at the toss. Um, and, and, and I don't think they'll consider the wicket too much. I think they'll just... They'll, that's just their formula, their match plan, and they want to chase. They want to know what they've got to do. So, um, And I wouldn't be surprised if the Scorchers, being a final, uh, they defend well with the ball. So I wouldn't be surprised if they win the toss and bat if, if they get the chance. So it might be a bit of a Clayton's toss, as they say, the, the one you don't mm-hmm. need to have. Um, so re- that remains to be seen. You're right, it is a used wicket. It was used in the semi-final. It's had the women's Big Bash League final uh, played on it prior to the match today. So... Scorchingly hot, uh, pardon the pun, conditions over here. It's going to be dry, uh, but I don't think it's going to be a, a slow-turning um, wicket that, that doesn't see decent stroke play. Adam, always good to catch up. Really appreciate your time. And on behalf of the Stumps crew here and the entire listening audience, congratulations to you and the rest of the commentary team on making it such a great spectacle night in, night out. Enjoy the game. We look forward to catching up again soon.
Yeah, good on you. We're uh, on air at 6pm tonight with a big hour pre-game show. We're going to look back at all the highlights of the tournament to this point, and not necessarily the ones on the field either. Keep an eye out for some of Mark Ward's greatest work throughout the Big Bash too. So that should be hopefully entertaining for everyone and, and of course, previewing the big final. So uh, 6pm uh, Melbourne time on free, live on on Channel 10. There we are. Adam Gilchrist will let him oh, go. Yes. Merv, it's not too far away, this in Big the, Bash final, and the heap to look forward to. Yes, exactly right. Um, interesting. Interesting, that He thinks... Um, the, the Sixers defend well. They want to know what they'll chase. Uh, they'll probably bowl. And, and the Scorchers may bat. So uh, uh, you would think in a final, get runs on the board. And it doesn't matter what standard or what level of cricket you play, you get runs on the board like we saw in the, in the Women's Big Bash. A moderate total can sometimes be enough because of the pressure that's there. But, uh, yep, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll, all these things will be answered in about uh, an hour's time. And that it certainly will be. And, look, just digressing momentarily, you look at the, the test arena, say, Merv. Yep. If you're chasing a low total, think about uh, Australia v South Africa in that famous game in Sydney. Why is, that te- why is it that teams tend to struggle chasing those low totals in the fourth innings of a match? Well, fifth-day wicket. Um, if it goes into so a fifth purely day, that is there purely anything that, psychological um, about chasing whether well, it be T Twenty cricket, One Day cricket, yeah, or Test not, cricket? Not purely, not purely that, but um, I, I reckon it's a lot to do with you can follow if you follow a Test match, you can get an idea of whether a side's got a chance in in the the fourth innings of a game. Because with these uh, drop in wickets now, the wickets don't deteriorate, so mm. you can score. But what, what you see is an even scoreline across the board. In the old days, what we used to see was first team get 400, then 300, and then the third innings, the side's bowled out for 200, you think doesn't pay well for that um, the side batting fourth. But if the scores are even and there's declarations, then you're always a chance. All right, back to the big bash. Yes. Who wins? Quickly. Um, oh, 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 Don't sixes. sit on the fence. Sixes, sixes for you. Sixes. Just an even spread of talent across sixes. the board. experience, even spread. We'll find out soon enough. The game is fast approaching. Uh, For those sticking around, we'll come back to you with the squads. Ian Bell on the way. It's Stumps all around Australia. Stumps. It's always a pleasure to have you with us here on Stumps. Tristan Fernanda, my name. Merv Hughes is with us. Good yes. evening to those of you joining us for the first time. Ian Bell on the way from the Perth Scorchers, the England international in his first Big Bash campaign, and he's enjoying life in Australia. So well, we've got two to English that. internationals. Uh, Bresnan Bres- Bres- as well. He's been pretty good too. He has been. been very good. We just heard from Adam Gilchrist and um, Richardson. Uh, Jai Richardson under a little bit of a cloud. Now, he's 20 years old. He's been exceptional. He he looks every bit a player, doesn't he? Yeah, I love these unheralded players that yes. shine in the big bash. It, yep. it gives them a profile that um, in many ways launches their careers, such as the popularity of the big bash. So we'll come back to you with the team news as it comes to hand. But we are going to return to the One Day International Arena, discuss what we just witnessed in recent weeks between Australia and Pakistan. You raised the ire of the Adelaide public, said they should have turned out in yeah. their droves on Australia Day. Well, I actually said pull your head out of your backsides <laughs> and, and get down. After but, a few waters on Australia Day, we'll um, also look ahead to the Chapel the, Hadley the thing, series. As I said about that, it was... It was Probably a build-up of a lot of things. It was, as I said before, was a frustration that no one follows the Australian team. We want to see the best play, and the Australian team is the best in our country. And again, to see Travis Head play the innings he played in front of his home crowd and only have the stadium... 50% full, um, that to me was disappointing. It was so a stunning I'm performance. Not apologi- I, I am apologising for just labelling you guys, but it's it's been um, across the board. So it's from, been a bugbear of yours Brisbane, for a few weeks. From Bris- yes, it has. Um, from, from Brisbane, the first game, to Melbourne, we only had 31k, and, and rightly pointed out by people in Adelaide, we've got, what, 
five times the population, yet we only had 4,000 more people. So um, I take that on board, um, but I've just been frustrated over the duration that people don't go and watch. Now, again, the question, why on earth was it a day-night game on Australia Day? Why wouldn't a public holiday just start at 10, finish at 6, people then go and have their barbecue, catch up with family, whatever. But I, I, you sit there and scratch your head and a lot of people in Adelaide also came back with the price of the tickets and I reckon that's that's something that Cricket Australia have to look at. Well, they if have to. If that's turning people away, they've got to look at it. Oh, absolutely they do. They have to make it more accessible, especially when one day cricket is on the nose. Clearly yes. it's being compared to the Big Bash spectacle-wise. If they're going to go to six strikers games, then they're not going to fork out $100 on a ticket to, or $150 to take a family, wherever you are in the country. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think no. there's two arms to that yeah. problem. One, one day cricket, things like cost just make it that little oh, bit more difficult. And, and duration too. If you take kids, you want to take them to a, a 2020 game rather than, than a 50 over game. So, yep, listen, um, take, take it on board what you're saying. Um, it's, it's an apology to the Adelaide people because I should have got into the Perth people, the Brisbane people, the Melbourne people and the Sydney people for not supporting our great Australian team. And they are exactly that. To, to win this series against Pakistan, um, they won it 4-1. And Pakistan showed in Melbourne in conditions that suit them when our selectors don't pick the right team for the right conditions. It was a used wicket there. Mm-hmm. We went in with five fast bowlers and two parkers. Paid the ball. price. Maxwell and, and, and Maxwell didn't play um, and head bowled only a couple of overs. You've got to – horses for courses. You've got to pick the team for the conditions. On a dry wicket, um, we paid the price. And I reckon going to – um, New Zealand, no Warner, no Kawaja, no Smith now. Um, I reckon our batting's a bit shy, and I reckon it's an opportunity to have Matthew Wade at the top of the order. Otherwise, it gets a little bit of, of out of whack, and I reckon that the New Zealanders in their conditions can take toll of that, that we... If Wade bats at seven, we're, we're, I reckon we're a batsman shy. Well, Matthew Wade was appointed stand-in skipper. Here's what he had to say on arrival in New Zealand. For me personally, it's about putting a stamp on the team. It's about driving the values and uh, the game plan that we have in one-day cricket going forward. You know, Stephen and, and David have put their stamp on the team. It's just about me keep driving those key messages through to the players and, and we'll, we are perform really well in one-day cricket over a period of time. So it's not about trying to change too much. It's about keeping the ball rolling, really. And um, is it different? I know you haven't just got here, but is it a different dynamic without Warren Smith again? Oh, yeah, it's certainly different when you're captain, your vice captain aren't here, but it's also exciting. We've got some young players that are around, and we've got Finch and Marsh coming back into the team who are experienced one day players as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a different shift for sure, but something that we're looking forward to. Do you have any idea that you were next drop, I suppose, from the captaincy? No, not really. I was at the airport, and Darren came up to me and put uh, Trevor on the phone and yeah, let me know that I was, I was going to captain. I didn't really know, obviously. I, I feel like I, could, I lead on the ground when. Um, Smithy and Warner are around um, but yeah I had no idea that I was, I was next off but yeah exciting really honoured and a privilege to, to captain Australia so I'm looking forward to it Does it make it more nerve wracking? Uh, not really no I don't think so um, I've been around the team now for a couple of years straight so I know how it all works and how Darren wants the team to, to go about it so it's not too nerve wracking it's probably more exciting than anything Going about it here is quite a different ground isn't it? Yep A lot of low schools here despite the fact that boundaries are small Yeah discussed the appropriate approach, nothing too tempted but Yeah, we haven't had the official team meeting yet, we'll have that tomorrow, but yeah, it's definitely something, the first time I came here was last time we played, and looking at the small boundaries, you assume that there's going to be really high scores, but yeah, it's quite difficult, it tends to swing uh, at this venue, so it's something you've got to get through, the first 10 or 15 overs is really crucial, because um, with the lineup that we play, if we, can, if we can have wickets in the shed towards the back end, we will score a lot of runs here at the, the end of the game Will your lineup? Where will you sit in the lineup? Would you be above Maxwell? <laughs> no, I'll stay at seven, mate. I'll be I'll be playing my role that I have for for the uh, for the last two years straight. I'll, I'll just keep doing my job. So I know where you're getting at there, but I'll uh, I'll be staying where I'm at. How much different? Obviously, the series in December was fairly lopsided, but how much different here does it? Does that series have much bearing on what's coming up in the next week? 
Uh, yes and no. Obviously, there's some things we can take out of it. There's no no McCullum, which always helps. We don't have to worry about him at the top of the order. But yeah, we, we, every time you play a, a, in New Zealand or in other countries, you've got to take the, the positives and the negatives out of it. So we'll use our experience here over the next couple of days to try and come up with the best team and the best game plan to, to win the series. A vastly different proposition, though, for the Aussies, Merv. You look at the lineup. Sam Hazlitt, the surprise inclusion. You've expressed some surprise as to why George Bailey hasn't been included. Yeah, well, even even to go back to Davey Warner, they've picked the side. They've decided to rest Warner and Kawaja. Smith's injured. Why wouldn't you go back to Warner and just say, listen, mate, um, circumstances out of our c- control. But having, having passed that... With all due respect to Matthew Wade, um, he'll probably do a great job, but I, I reckon you just need someone that... And but this is why people... Someone are... that's done it before, and for, for me, George Bailey would... Well, Warner would be number one, George Bailey number two. Um, it's going to be interesting, as you said, with this um, Sam Hazlitt, will he play? Like, everyone's saying it's fantastic. They're picking a young bloke. If he doesn't play, they take him over there and doesn't play, it, it's been wasted, but... List A, he's played five games, he averages well, he's got uh, good scores, he's got a great strike rate, he's played 13 first-class games, he's virtually from nowhere. Obviously, he's got talent, and a lot of guys, and I must admit, since I haven't been selecting, you don't follow them through um, what they've done in the Cricket 11, Australia, the the 19s and Australian under-19s, and we're we're used to follow that and used to know So, obviously, he's come through that, and, and he's got great qualities. So um, him being picked, to me, still a little bit of surprise. And, um, you know, you, you think of blokes like Cullen Ferguson, Cameron White, these guys that are still around the mark that you would think with without Warner, Kawaja and Smith, you would need some experience, well, is, this, is all I'm saying. Just further to your point about people not attending one-day cricket, such is the saturation of the international schedule, it seems like there are these tours, and I, I stress seems like there are these one-day series that don't carry as much importance as some others, say the upcoming India tour. So the Australian public scratching their heads, OK, we've made this decision on Warner. We can go back on it, but we won't. So instead we're going to go over with an inferior squad. So yep. surely that... Um, doesn't send the right message in terms of uh, uh, emphasising the importance of it. I, I'm a big one for the players need their rest, more mentally than physically. Um, so if you say to a player that he's going to be rested, and in the time that I was selecting, we we had a we had a, a problem here in Melbourne where we said Brett Lee was going to be rested, Glenn McGrath was going to play. Um, Glenn McGrath had some issues, had to pull out. We went back to Brett Lee and said, yep, no worries. But I suppose that's one game when he's with the squad anyway. Warner was due to have time off, not go to New Zealand. So he's he's probably got things planned with his family. And I can understand all that. But having said that, I, I still reckon that you need experience in a side. You can't go over with lack of experience. And Cullen Ferguson, Cameron White, George Bailey, these sort of blokes, they've been in good form in one dayers. Okay, so um, he's probably a very talented player, um, but I think you said it off air before. What did you say? It's a it's a very shallow talent pool, is it? No, oh, no. sorry, the sample size of the sample his innings. Size, so. Yeah, the sample size is only small, mate. I hope he goes across there. He plays, he does well, um, like Travis Head. Um, you know, a, a young bloke in there, but uh, Wade there said he's going to bat at seven. Okay. You think he should be elevated? Oh well, I suppose Head, Finch, Marsh, Hanscom, Max Maxwell, Wade at seven, and then you, you're a bowler shy. Mm-hmm. So if Wade goes up the list, you can play all those bowlers, and you you you're probably. Le- oh. I don't know. I'm confused. We'll find out soon enough. The Chapel Hadley series getting underway in a couple days' time over in New Zealand. After the break, we turn our attention back to the Big Bash final. It's great to be able to catch up with uh, Ian Bell, his first Big Bash campaign as we count down the minutes. The Perth Scorchers hosting the Sydney Sixers and all around Australia, this is Stumps. Listening to Stumps. 
Great to have your company on this Saturday afternoon as we gear up for the Big Bash League final between the Perth Scorchers and the Sydney Sixers. And Merv joining us to preview the encounter from a Perth Scorchers perspective, a man who's played 118 tests and 161 ODIs from England. And he's become a favourite son over in the West, believe it or not. I speak of Ian Bell, who's been good enough to join us. Ian, a warm welcome to you. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, going extremely well and all the better for having seen the Scorchers play so very well once again in the Big Bash. They've made four or five finals. They've won two. And in fact, one of those was against the Sydney Sixers, uh, having exacted revenge for the loss in 11 and 12. I'll ask you, first of all, what has made this Perth franchise so very successful? Oh, it's a good question. Um, obviously, you know, Justin Lang has been fantastic, you know, at the top and leading it. Um, I think one of the key things to success or I think they believe is that it's a tight unit so there's not many guys who come in from different states uh, it very much is um, you know it's not far off their shield side so they feel like a group a team that know each other inside out they know their strengths and weaknesses um, and they work very hard so um, it's you know it's been great to be involved in great set of lads from my point of view to come in made it very easy for me to settle down and um, you know they enjoy playing for each other which you know is, is a great start. We continue to be surprised by the juggernaut that is the Big Bash, Ian, and now having experienced it firsthand, uh, what do you make of it? What you, what experiences and stories will you be taking home to tell your your colleagues back in England? Yeah, look, it's an amazing tournament. I mean, we, we, there's a lot of good coverage at home because it's a great time over Christmas. So a lot of the kids at home are watching it at 8 o'clock in the morning. So that you do get a lot of coverage at home and it's a tournament, certainly from my point of view, watching the last couple of years, I've wanted to be a part of. So sort of pinching myself now that I've got an opportunity to be in a final, uh, the furnace, which is great. But um, yeah, I'll be going home. I mean, I believe there's been people from the ECB out here having a look and, and trying to pick people's brains, but seeing what's going on, because, you know, I'm amazed if I'm honest with you at home that we don't have anything like this. Mm. Um, and we need to really start moving forward because this is an unbelievable tournament, not just for the supporters and, and seeing all the families and the kids that turn up to this, but also from the players' point of view, saying if you can't enjoy playing cricket in this kind of tournament, you never are. So I think we're missing a trick at home, and, and hopefully at some point we're going to get something like this. On a lighter note, does it surprise you how guys like yourself, Stuart Broad, uh, Timmy Bresnan, I mean, you're the butt of so many jokes, and we like to take the mickey out of <laughs> our English counterparts in the media or as fans. I'm sure the same goes with players. It's, has it surprised you how much... Uh, You've warmed to the Perth uh, cricketing public. Um, look, I know that here, you know, they, they look after their own uh, here. I know that so I was told that before I arrived that they'll look after me for the next two months and then after that <laughs> I'm back on my own. So, um, no, you know, not at all. Um, you know, I know that, um, you know, there's always that banter, isn't there? I think England, Australia, it's that's part of the fun of it. That's part of playing. That's what we love about it. And, you know, the competition, certainly the Ashes cricket is, is uh, very serious on the field. But afterwards, um, you know, everyone gets on. So, you know, that's part of it. And like I said, I've really enjoyed it. It has been a little bit different walking out at the uh, the furnace, getting cheered rather than booed. But um, I'll take that for the next uh, one more game. And then uh, um, if I'm in an England shirt again, then uh, I'm sure it'll be back to square one. Yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, <laughs> how's it been playing with Mitch Johnson? I, I bet it's one of those things that's been good to actually watch him bowl rather than be on the receiving end. Absolutely. He's bowled fantastically all the way through this series. Uh, good pace. Um yeah, it has been good, but not just on the field, but in the dressing room as well. He's a good guy. Um, and that's the nice thing. Obviously, I've played enough against him over the years and, and obviously Sean Marsh and Adam Voges, you know, so it's good to, to see another side to those guys and be part of it, which which is great from my perspective and um, picking these guys' brains, learning from them as well. You know, these guys have played a lot of T20 cricket and or international cricket and you can see things from different things. So hopefully I'll be learning a bit of pieces to take back to to England and certainly to my county at Warwickshire. So, yeah, it's been fantastic to, to play with these guys. They're a, they're a great set of lads. Great to be catching up with Ian Bell here on Stumps, representing the Perth Scorchers, England International. And, Ian, one player who continues to amaze the Australian public is Michael Klinger. He's had another exceptional tournament from memory, eighth in the uh, list of run scorers. What's he like around the group? He, of course, captained in the, the absence of Adam Voges. And can you believe from having played with him that he hasn't tasted international cricket? Yeah, no, it, it's, it is amazing to think that somebody with a record like he has across the board or all formats uh, that he hasn't played international cricket, which, again, it does say the strength of domestic cricket here, uh, but also the strength of Australian cricket over a long period of time um, that somebody like as good as, as Maxi hasn't played. But I think the great thing around the group, we're, we're certainly lucky having coming in, and I'm sure 
for WA and other formats as well. They've got some good senior players. They're very calm around the group. They lead very well off the field. Um, and he and he sort of drives that, you know, like I said, he's from watching him closer, um, you know, very calm head on his shoulders when he's out there to back, very clinical, works hard, um, you know, and, and, and helps all the youngsters. That's the, the great blend I think they've got here at the minute is all the senior players. They get in and they help all the younger players out and the younger players respond to that. Which is great to hear and great to see. And despite the fact you said people over in England, it's a great time of year to be watching cricket. Uh, has it come as a surprise the depth of talent that exists within the Big Bash? I mean, not many people would have seen too much of guys like Chris Lynn, Ben Dunk, even Daniel Hughes, who you'll be playing against tomorrow. And they just uh, continue to go from strength to strength with their consistency and form. Yeah, um, not at all, really. I mean, having toured Australia a few times, you know that there's quality cricketers all the way through the system. Um, and that is the great strength over here. Obviously, eight teams compared to 18 at home. So, obviously, some of our talents probably spread out quite a long way between the amount of teams we have. Um, but, no, there's no doubt. Coming into this, my note personally, I thought this was going to be, if not the toughest T20 tournament in the world, uh, but also the most exciting. So, it's, it's great. And like you said, I think Australia in the minute are very well placed with, again, some very, very good young players coming through. But playing in pressure situations. I mean, that's the best way to see who's going to make that next step up to Australia. If somebody's mm-hmm. doing well in the big bash and the pressure and, uh, you know, in full houses around Australia, then um, it's a good way to test who's going to make that next step. As we turn our attention to the game, and we are grateful for your time, the keys to stopping the Sixers. You took them on in Sydney and they beat you rather comfortably. That said, it was a vastly different lineup on that occasion. What have you learned from having observed them over the course of the Big Bash? And uh, where do you see uh, your strengths as compared to their weaknesses, perhaps? Um, obviously, yeah, again, obviously at Sydney that time, we didn't play particularly well. You were right. I mean, we, we didn't adjust ourselves, certainly from coming from Perth on the quick bouncy wicket to a, a slower turning surface. We didn't adjust very well and, and Sydney Sixers outplayed us completely. So I and actually see it, quite a lot of similarities between both teams. They've got a lot of experience there with, with Brad Haddon and, and Nathan Lyon, obviously um, yeah, well, a number of players. So it's going to be very tight, isn't it? I think all the way through. Um, I, again, I... You talk about in any format starting the game well. Mitchell Johnson hit the hit the ground running for us the other day. I think that's going to be the key for us. Whether we battle bowl first, if we can win the first six overs, then I think that gives you a massive uh, advantage going into a T Twenty game. Well, Ian, we wish you all the very best and uh, hope to see the Scorchers for your sake thrive over at the Wacker. As we let you go, what do the next few months have in store for you on a personal level? Um, yeah, obviously back to the back to the nice weather in England, which will be uh, which will be pleasant for the next <laughs> month. Um, so yeah, a bit of training back in domestically, uh, and then we're away to Abu Dhabi on pre-season, getting ready for our season starting in April. So um, a little bit of bit of cold weather and then a bit of warm weather again, which will be quite nice. And from what you've experienced over the past six or so weeks, can we lock it in stone that you'll be back again in 2017, 18? Oh, if just in anger and the Scorchers want me back, I will be 100% back. I've loved every minute of it. Like we said, I mean, it's just a great tournament to be involved in and um, my family have enjoyed every minute as well. My kids are massive Scorcher fans now for life, so um, I'll be definitely back if, uh, if they want me back. Oh, I reckon it's an absolute no-brainer. Ian, it's been a pleasure catching up. As I said, we wish you all the best and thank you once again. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Good to catch up with Ian Bell. I recorded that interview yesterday, Merv. He's a really likeable guy, and we're finding this a lot with the Englishmen. Yeah. The guys we well, not, love not to just, hate. Not just the English blokes. Well, internationals In- across internationals the board. Internationals across the board, but um, of Bell, uh, Broad playing for the Hurricanes, they, they had a look at him. Um, Freddie Flintoff was over, Peterson's been over, and we've got to know him. It's it's quite sad when we get to know people. They're actually not bad people. <laughs> That's well, Mural Litherin, um leads gee. me into the fact. So the yep. Perth Scorchers were very open. Yes, granted us access to Ian Bell, which was fantastic. Uh, other franchises haven't been as open with uh, giving Ooh. us players. Or you're getting uh, a bit narky. Well, I am because the cricketing audience out there has a right, I believe, to try and yes. speak to these players. And if you call oh. them directly, they've got no hesitation in agreeing. Two okay. interviews or so, to what, providing a bit of colour. So we, we've, we've spoken about this and, and you try your hardest to do the right thing by going through the media liaison people and when you don't hear back from it, it is very frustrating. But um, Not going to finish on a gripe. No. So we're going to make it all positive. It's a, all positive. It's Mun- a culmination of a fantastic Big Bash tournament. Huge. No Munro. 
No Munro. No, well, Munro's been playing for the Sixers. He's out for the Chapel Hadley series. So that's loss for loss. Marsh and Munro, although I know who I'd rather. I think I'd rather Marsh. Bigger loss for mine. I still think the Sixers are going to get across the line if they can get through Johnson's spell. Um, and if they can get Klinger early, I reckon the Sixers are a big... Now, I haven't asked you your tip. Who do you think? I tend to... Well, it's unbelievable, given the Sixers look sort of down and out against the Brisbane Heat oh, at one gone. stage. Look, I think... But they never look like losing. Look, so much then depends. They, they never look like losing. Then they never look like winning. All right, I'm going to yeah. take two bobs each way. I'm just going to copy you, Merv. If Johnson takes wickets early, yes. if the Scorchers take wickets early, I think the Sixers will find it too hard. Yeah. That said, I think their spread across the board is going to be a little bit too much for the Scorchers, yeah. given the players they've got out, both through injury, international duty. Yes. Uh, I just think it makes it tough in terms of hitting power. So Kurt and Isle, Marsh, and Mitch Marsh is a big hitter. Sean Marsh is a good hitter. Uh, Brad Haddon, Moy Moy, Boater for, for the Sixers. A lot of experience there. Lum's a good hitter. Um, you've got Nick Maddinson, um, who's who's due. I'm I'm tipping him to be man of the match, so he won't, he'll won't. get a first ball, Gosser. So we're both on the Sixers, which means yes. it'll probably go which, the other way. But yeah, that's but the great unknown about normally, Big Bash cricket. I reckon normally you'd pick a home team. But I, I just reckon the Sixers' experience, they've got that young talent, they've got, they've just got that brashness, and I, I just think uh, Sixers. Very briefly, how will the Aussies go in New Zealand? Um, they'll go okay. They'll find the wickets pretty tough. Um, I reckon it'll be a 2-1 result, and it'll be very, very tight. In Australia's favour. I'll never pick New Zealand. <laughs> and to all my beautiful friends in South Australia, and particularly Adelaide, I still love you, but I was just frustrated and vented on you guys. I do apologise for that, but I don't apologise for venting. We've got to get along and watch how Australian players play. I'm sure they love you too. That's it for Stamps. We'll catch you again next week.